The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Grimes case is a prime example of a case that suffered from antiquated police procedures and societal attitudes. The police initially dismissed Loretta's missing person report and assumed the girls had just run away. Caller ID or call tracing could have identified Melquist as the creepy telephone caller. Even without these modern police techniques, it's hard to believe that the cops didn't question Melquist about the Grimes sisters after he was arrested or soon after the Scott killing. Welcome to an all-new season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. This season, we dive into the most horrific unsolved murders in history. From the Black Dahlia murder to the unsolved murder of the Lady of the Dunes. Join us every Tuesday on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we thank you for listening. teenage sisters, Barbara and Patricia Grimes, left their home in the McKinley Park neighborhood of Chicago on the night of December 28, 1956, to see Love Me Tender, Elvis Presley's hit movie at the Brighton Theater on Archer Avenue. The sisters were Elvis Presley fanatics and had seen the movie about a dozen times. They stayed at the Brighton to see the movie two more times that night. The girls were supposed to arrive home by city bus right after the movie, but they never returned. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. As we continue this new season, we dive into the unsolved murders of the Grimes sisters. So let's join us and dive right into the case as we break down the case and look into the suspects in details. The mother, Loretta, called the police at 2 the next morning after contacting the girls' friends and sending their siblings out to find them. The police didn't take Loretta's concern seriously at first, reasoning that the girls had run away and would return on their own. 
Eventually, the police discarded the runaway theory in one of the most intense searches in the history of the Chicago Police Department. Had begun. About 2,000 people were seriously questioned by the department, and police conducted door-to-door canvassing in the neighborhood. There were hundreds of alleged sightings of the girls, but none of them provided any substantial leads. Some people claimed they saw the girls drinking at local bars. Barbara was 15 and Patricia was 12. Even in the lax days of the 1950s, it seemed improbable that bar owners would let young teens hang out in their taverns, drinking alcohol with men twice their age. And given the way working-class Southside girls were raised in that era, it's highly unlikely the girls ever drank or had gone all the way with any boyfriends. The sightings of the sisters around the city may have been due to hysteria surrounding the case. Chicago had already seen high-profile child abduction cases throughout the 50s, but the Grimes case proved to be the most publicized and bizarre one of all. Advice columnist Ann Landers received an anonymous letter claiming the girls were forced into a car by a young man. The letter was never authenticated, and police weren't able to find the car. Elvis even recorded a plea to the girls, imploring them to call their mother if they had run away. The autopsy placed a death at no more than five hours after the girls left the theater. The cause of death was listed as secondary shock. There was some controversy about the cause of death. As Harry Gloss, the Cook County Chief Investigator at the coroner's office, that believed the girls had been held captive and sexually assaulted and had not died shortly after returning from the theater. A few years ago, a local CBS affiliate reported contacting a man in his 70s who knew the whole story but didn't want to elaborate because so much time had passed. It'd be interesting to hear what he knows. On January 22, 1958, a construction worker named Leonard Prescott saw what he thought were mannequins just off German Church Road. Police were called and recovered the nude bodies of Patricia and Barbara Grimes. The bodies had been hidden by the snow for several weeks. Benny Bedwell, a borderline mentally challenged man, was questioned and eventually arrested. A confession was coerced out of him. It was easier to coerce confessions out of people in the 1950s as detectives were pressured to find a suspect by the public, and suspects had little knowledge of their rights. There were several other suspects at the time, but they had tenuous links to the sisters or the murders at best. That is until 1958, when Bonnie Lee Scott, another teenage girl, was found dead in a suburban Chicago forest preserve. And now we're going to look at the connection between the Scott murder and the Grimes sister murders. Loretta received ransom notes and a phone call from someone bragging about the crime. The caller said he knew that one of the girls crossed her toes when she was nervous. Was this caller Charles Melquist, the convicted murderer of Bonnie Lee Scott, or some random sicko? I wouldn't doubt that Melquist was the caller. The Grimes case is a prime example of a case that suffered from antiquated police procedures and societal attitudes. The police initially dismissed Loretta's missing person report and assumed the girls had just run away. Caller ID or call tracing could have identified Melquist as the creepy telephone caller. Even without these modern police techniques, it's hard to believe that the cops didn't question Melquist about the Grimes sisters after he was arrested or soon after the Scott killing. However, Melquist's attorney at the time didn't allow him to talk to police. Probably for a good reason. Melquist's M.O. in the Bonnie Lee Scott murder was similar to the Grimes murders. 
Bonnie was a 15-year-old girl who had been killed and decapitated in September 1958. Her nude body was dumped 10 miles from where the Grimes sisters' bodies were found. A group of Boy Scouts on a hike discovered the body in the Argonne Woods off LaGrange Road. Bonnie, unlike the sisters, had run away from home before and occasionally skipped school, so the police had a legitimate reason for not jumping on the case right away. Bonnie's parents were in the midst of a divorce, and she lived with her aunt, uncle, and grandmother. The Grimes sisters' parents were also divorced. In the late 1950s, few people got divorced. Maybe the killer had targeted the Grimes and Scott, because he knew they were vulnerable children of divorce. He dumped the body over the guardrail and then came back to mutilate and decapitate the body. The knife he had used was never found. He confessed to the murder, but later recanted after he hired an attorney. His excuse for the murders now had to do with some sort of psychic manipulation. The jury seated on his trial wasn't having it, and he was convicted. Malquist served 11 years with a 99-year sentence. He died in 2010. It's strange that he was released so early and we don't know why. And that researcher has never explored the connection between the phone call Mrs. Grimes received from the caller with a chilling voice in Melquist. After all, Melquist had called up Bonnie's guardians after her murder, albeit not with the same creepy information. Melquist has always been unofficially linked with the Grimes case. Some researchers believe that he also murdered the Grimes sisters. Even amateur sleuths would agree that Melquist was a likely suspect. He had the phone numbers of neighbors of the Grimes sisters, so it's possible he found out about the sisters through them. Raymond Johnson, a retired Chicago Heights police detective, has written and vlogged extensively about the case and has a Facebook group dedicated to the Grimes sisters' murders and strange Chicago crimes. He believes that Milquist committed the crime, but they accomplices. I'm not quite sure about the accomplice theory. No evidence really points that way. To my knowledge, that is. There were a few crimes of this nature that involved more than a lone psycho in the 50s. The entire Willow Springs area today looks green and clean today. Perfect for biking and jogging. And you'd never guess the entire southwest suburban area is home to several freaky backstories. There have been sightings of a ghost called Resurrection Mary in the area for decades. Resurrection Mary is said to be the ghost of a woman who was first seen in the 30s. A young man danced with her at a local dance hall and then drove her home. The woman directed him to Resurrection Cemetery in Justice, where she disappeared. But, back to the Grimes sisters. A house close to the spot where the Grimes sisters were found was abandoned shortly after the police recovered the bodies. It's It's not known if the inhabitants were involved in the murder or just freaked out that the bodies were discovered so close by. Maybe public records could show who owned the house at the time and give us some ideas as to why they left so quickly. Loretta Grimes died in 1989 at the age of 83 without ever knowing who killed her And that is all we have for this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let us know your thoughts on this case. Who do you think did it? Do you believe it's one of the suspects they have followed? Let us know in the comment section below. Um, send us a tweet at TrueCrimeNS and be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. 
Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.